Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. All right, we are live here. It is uh, November the 2nd, and uh, holy smokes, like we're getting really close. I'm here tearing the boat apart for one more session. I'm sure I'll do the exact same thing again tomorrow, but it's been, uh, whew, Quite eventful, uh, to say the least. We're still working. Uh, We put it in a good day today. Got a lot of loose ends tied up. And we only have to do maybe a half day tomorrow. That's about all I can can give the yard before it's time to really get into what I have to do on this boat. Um, Luckily, I've been able to sort of charge forth for the last... uh, uh, six hours, uh, seven hours almost, and uh, put together, finally got all the wiring uh, all hooked up and every single light on the mast works. I sewed the one tear in the mainsail that I found, uh, tuned up Mongo, the Aries wind vane, got the second solar panel hooked up, um, just a whole lot of stuff, and then sort of cleaned and organized a little bit down here below. It was uh, a bit of a fiasco. Got the VHF radio working. Check that, at least with the weather. And uh, so that was that was nice to be able to make sure that works. Sort of one of those things where you hope as, as all these things come together that uh, you won't run into too many problems. Because if you do, you don't have a lot of time. Because we're looking at uh, a matter of less than 48 hours i think before i set sail and take off into the atlantic ocean and uh possibly stay out there for i don't know up to four or five months we'll have to sort of see but uh regardless it's basically the weather forecast is looking pretty good up here in the gulf of maine and then basically to the southeast from there uh for the coming like four or five days and then we get a big northerly blast, which only lasts maybe a day or so. So I think I'll use that to just ride straight south. And then uh, and then it's basically sort of riding the edge of a high pressure system and seeing how that goes. And and we'll see we'll see what uh, see what happens. But I mean, you know, it's still kind of the extended forecast when it, it goes way out there. So I don't really trust a whole lot more than. Like I always say, the first like three, four days of forecast, those are usually pretty good. So it does look uh, like I'll have wind pretty much the whole time, maybe just a little iffy on off one of the days. But that means I can do about 120 to 140 miles a day, depending on the currents. And uh, yeah, that should get me close to a thousand miles offshore. Uh within the first week and that should put me somewhere in the range of the Gulf Stream area and some of the eddies. By that point the Gulf Stream has sort of lost a little bit of its steam. So I I'm just looking forward to getting into more of a moderate uh warmer weather sort of pattern. Not really looking forward to the big squalls and all that sort of stuff. Uh but it is uh it is what it is you know the gulf stream area especially where it sort of splays out up around uh 
I don't know, halfway to these ores or whatever, it tends to get a little bit wild and a little bit wicked there. Uh, just because there's such such uh, energy coming off of that warm water and evaporating water and all that sort of stuff and it meeting a lot of hefty cold air coming coming from the north. So it will be interesting. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I've just been running around and as soon as I get off of work, it's just like go time and do a couple of shopping trips and then get back to the boat and uh and then try and put together all the other stuff that I have yet to put together but it is it is coming together like I said the the bottom got painted not too long ago and uh that looks pretty good um one of the last things essentially like so tomorrow big thing the fuel tanks are going to get cleaned the fuel's going to get polished as soon as that is finished which takes a couple hours. Uh, I'm going to then go get some diesel, fill the tanks, which only holds 60 gallons, so it shouldn't be too, too bad on the old checkbook. Um, and then after that, it's it's like my list has, has shrunk more and more, but essentially fuel the boat. Um, I've got to bleed the system, change the filter, change the oil. Then I've got to get my water bladder all set up and secured, filled up, all the other water tanks filled. Got to lube the portholes and latch the forward hatch nice and uh, good. Get a few things with the SIM card and all that to uh, my contacts. Uh, I got to make the bunked out here, do the last shopping for food, run the solar wires at some point, and then uh, get the sails and hank the lube, hank the, or lube the hank-ons. And I'm sure there's about 10 other things that I've forgotten at this point. But essentially, if I can get all that done uh, tomorrow between basically noon and whatever time I finally go to bed, then essentially Friday morning, 8 a.m., we're going to launch this boat. We're going to put it in the water. I'll tie up to the dock. And the last big thing that I have to do, I wait until it's in the water to true the mast and tune that all up because the... Believe it or not, the the hull shape of even even a boat like this, which is so stout and so sturdy, the hull shape changes once it's in the water. And that's the best time to at least do your initial rig tuning. And then once I uh, actually start sailing, then I can sort of fine tune it and everything. But I'll get that all done, make sure the engine's running well, make sure all nothing's leaking or anything like that. But if I go in at 8 o'clock in the morning on Friday, then my hope is to take off at or before noon on Friday and then uh, just start ripping because the winds are going to be out of the southwest, which means I could be on a beam reach pretty much to the uh, southeast, kind of east-southeast towards halfway in between like Nova Scotia and uh george's bank usually takes about a day day and a, a little more to get down past george's bank past all the scalloping fleets and the fishing fleets and all those guys uh, and i like to be there during the daytime because it is a nightmare trying to get through uh when all you're seeing are these blinding lights and there's tons of them it's it's uh not a whole lot of fun daytime way easier and uh and then I'm essentially in the Atlantic proper and going pretty much east and east of south of east to to try and get essentially the first waypoint. And it's not really a stopping point because I've been there a few times before, but uh, the Azores is kind of the goal. Get out to that area, maybe get close enough to see them, 
and then start my way uh, to the south and hopefully hook into some beautiful northeasterly trade winds, also known as the Portuguese trades, and uh, sometimes they get a little blustery, but rip those down, and uh, the next waypoint after that is basically the Cape Verde Islands, and that place, who knows, I may end up stopping there if it's possible, um, unless I'm... Unless I'm just having too much fun being out at sea and just enjoying sort of uh, being the the solitude, the gentle life out there, um, then I may pull in because I've always wanted to see that place. It's a pretty pretty epic little spot right off the coast of Africa. And then uh, after that, the equator and down into the South Atlantic, if all goes well. A lot can go wrong, no matter how well you prepare the boat, uh, things can happen and, and all of a sudden... Like I found out on the last trip and the trip before, you know, the whole thing can be uh, thrown into chaos very quickly. But ain't that something, you know? It's nice to uh, have a little bit of uncertainty in your life, I guess. And uh, I think it it definitely coincides with the whole theme of, of offshore sailing where you're giving over essentially the control of your life in a lot of ways to... Mother Nature and just letting letting her rip and see how things go and enjoy the highs and try and make it through the lows and, and then you uh, you get to have this sort of very beautiful awesome hard terrible wonderful experience out there that uh, very few people actually get to get to sort of see and I guess the nice part for me is that after I get my fill of it out there and sort of reach my goals and do whatever, uh, I can come right back and I can share it all with you because I'll be recording the podcast and then also doing a lot of video footage and everything like that so I can share as much of that as uh, as possible with everybody. So, you know, it's been, it's been sort of a learning thing over the last uh, couple of years with the podcast and then the last six months with the YouTube stuff where, I don't know, it's, it's, it seems like it, uh, I get enough... I get enough emails and I meet enough people that uh, are sort of inspired into doing some crazy stuff like selling all their all their houses and cars and buying boats and, and trying to go out and have some adventures. So I don't know. I don't see it as a bad thing because no matter what really happens, unless you sink and die, uh, you're going to have this experience under your belt that's, uh, I don't know, it can be pretty epic. So... I don't know. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, as far as things are going, holy smokes, like we're, I get almost like a little bit of the jitters, uh, at this point, which, you know what? Had enough water tonight. I think it's time. Uh, even though technically these are for the trip, sometimes you just earn a nice cold BL. Oh, once I finish this, I'm going to go and uh, I got to collect up all the, I have about five or six sails stored inside. So I got to make sure I'm going to pull those, bring them all up, throw them on deck. And, uh, and then I got to go through and squirt a little bit of silicone or WD-40 on each one of the Hanks to make sure those are going and maybe give them a sort of a look-see, make sure nothing's, nothing's too bad. I'm pretty good out at sea as far as, uh, Something tears, I like to fix it then and there. Or if it's no longer a usable sail, 
uh, I'll, I'll mark that down. So I, I sort of knew which ones had to be really torn apart and fixed and got all that finished. The sewing machine is now stowed uh, right over here. And uh, all I have to do is make a mount up top so that it's an immovable piece of equipment because it weighs like 50 pounds. And the last thing I want is for it to go from there and fling over to where I actually sleep because that would not be uh that would not be a fun thing at all. Mm. I've had uh what did I have fly over? I think it was like a big speaker or something like that. And it flew from that side and it hit over there and it, it, it hit below the bunk, but it punched a hole in the uh I don't know, the veneer or whatever it is. But in any event, uh I'm going to try and punch out a couple more projects after this tonight. And then, like I said, you know, got a little bit of work tomorrow. We're only pulling the floats out. We're going to pressure wash them. And then, uh, essentially, we are, we've wrapped up this season up here in uh, Rockland, Maine. It's been, it's been amazing. Uh, I sailed up here in fog and stormy weather and, and just cold up in er, early to mid-May got here and just started working the day after I got here and uh did take a nice little hiatus in in August but after that it's just been full till and it's kind of interesting to see the inner workings of a boatyard from pre-launch season all the way to we're back and we're full and it was nice to talk to a lot of the sailors who had some pretty good experiences not everybody did uh we had a dismasting go on up here well, on like a 40-something footer, uh, one of the chain plates let go, big mast, broken half, came down, a um, couple, of, couple of hits with some rocks, there's uh, oh, some engines didn't uh, quite make it through the season, and uh, you know, a few, few things, but I would say the vast majority, the huge percentage of everybody had a great time up here in Penobscot on the islands, all that sort of stuff. And because Maine really is uh, quite a unbelievable little spot for cruising during the summer. I mean, it's it's one of those things where you got to if, if normally your boat is down south, even even south of like Cape Cod, let's say. You know, it's it's a, a pretty big jaunt to get up here. But I will say that it's also very worth it because when you get up here, I mean, the place is very populated with these tiny little hamlets that all have these cool places, nice restaurants, all this stuff, little marinas. There isn't a whole lot of dockage up here, so it's more the anchoring and mooring game. But in a lot of ways, that kind of makes it pretty cool um, because you sort of feel like you've you've got a little private chunk of the world. Um, so that's kind of nice. Uh, you have to deal with some fog now and again. But this summer, we didn't have much fog at all. It was kind of kind of different. Um, but that's here in Rockland. There were plenty of days where we'd be looking out at Vinyl Haven and North Haven, and you couldn't see them at all. So it's, it's a foggy place. There's lots of lobster buoys and lobster traps, but, uh, you know, if you're able to overcome some of that adversity, adversity, you'll, you know, you can go from Penobscot all the way to, uh, it's not Attica. It's, uh, ah, there's beautiful like national park that's right on the water down east of us. And it's supposed to be absolutely amazing. 
I had a few friends that went up there and actually some took their boat up there and some just got up there via car. And if you take your boat up there, there's sort of like a free bus that zooms you around and stuff. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of great stuff up here. There's a lot of great food and everything and, uh, good people too. I've can't, uh, can't, can't emphasize that enough. The people that I've met up here in the boatyard, people I've worked with and just Mainers in general, good, hearty, fun, looking to have a good time, work hard, play hard sort of people, my kind of people. Mm. Ah, sometimes they work me to the bone though. Uh, I had to say goodbye to Mr. David, uh, who is, uh, my trusty coworker this, and kind of a mentor in a lot of ways, I would say. But uh, he, I met him a couple of years back, and then he was gone for a little while, and then he came back this summer, and he was a big reason why I came back, because, you know, if you know you're going to work with somebody that's it's fun to be around, uh, knows how to yuck it up, but also is really good at his job, I mean, we, this this man can drive a full rig with a lobster boat on it, or a sailboat, like oversized, and it's just totally a game of inches, absolute inches, just squeaking it by other stuff, pulling it back up. You know, I'm waving him in and all this sort of stuff, but that only counts for so much. I mean, the confidence level of uh, moving these boats that, that Dave had was uh, pretty unbelievable. And it's nice to be able to rely on your, your coworkers and, and your friends like that. And, putting masts up, taking masts down. I mean, the other day we took four masts off boats and they're pretty hefty and I don't know, just don't feel any, any stress at all because got good people with you. And, uh, at the same time, we're yucking it up, laughing, giving each other guff. And it's just, I don't know, it's fun. It makes, uh, it makes work seem far less like work and more like something you actually look forward to doing. So Take that for what you will. Dave, thank you so much, but today was his last day, and uh, he will be missed, that's for sure. So, cheers to you, bud. Mm. Ah, I won't miss him, like, punching me in the shoulders, and, and he's got these these bear claw hands. And it's like, squeeze, you shake your hand, and you, you squeeze it and see who can, who can handle it. Long. Oh, my God, it's like... Literally, my fingers go purple, and then they all go white. And, uh, it, you know, my hands are kind of tough. I mean, look at how dirty they are. Look at this one's really good. Ugh. Eh, not too bad. Just a filthy, filthy, dirty day. I tuning up Mongo was absolutely disgusting as far as uh, filthing it up. There's just so much old oil and old grease and all sort of stuff in that thing, and Basically, the there's a lot of plastic bushings sort of holding all the or giving a little less friction to all these components, these big aluminum or stainless steel parts that are in constant motion 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And you drip a little bit of oil on like seven or eight spots every morning, uh, but no matter what, you're going to get a little wear in there. And so... One of the things that's happened is that uh, just the whole unit, the lower unit that's in the water, as it's going, it kind of shakes sometimes, and that shake reverberates through the boat. And, you know, obviously it can't be good to have that happening. Um, 
it's been going on for a long time, so I, I haven't worried too much about it, but I was trying to sort of tighten everything up, if you will, and uh, man, everything is absolutely filthy on there. I, whew. But I'm so glad that I have a Aries wind vane, because when I do look at some of these other ones that are out there, uh, I don't know, they just look like they have weak spots uh, as far as like super long distance stuff. Um, and, and not even that, just reliability as a whole. I mean, I think in the Golden Globe, they've already had one of them snap and break. Uh, I know the year before, I think they did. I'm not sure what type they're using in the Golden Globe. I want to say maybe they're the Hydro Vane. This is basically the Monitor Wind Vane, the Hydro Vane, the Aries Wind Vane, Cape Horn, and there's one more that people use all the time. But in any event, uh, I've. Have never had any real big issues with this one, and uh, knock on wood, hopefully I don't. But we're, Bongo and I have been together now, I want to say close to, it's definitely 50, so like uh, close to 70,000 miles, I think, uh, that we've sailed. And then I did another 10,000 with uh, Mongo's uncle, the first one, and that one was old as hell. I almost lost it uh, going over the Saba Bank in between St. Martin and uh, the British Virgin Islands one night. I think I must have hooked on to like a fish pod or something like that, but woke up and the whole thing was just on one arm and tilted way over. I thought I'd lost it and I had to like tie it up with Spectraline and and ended up using that same fix that I did with a few modifications uh, to sail it from the BVI all the way back up to uh, to Gloucester. That was back in 2017. Well, where have the years gone? Well, anyway, it's uh, just after 10, so I'm going to have to cut this one a little bit short because I do have more stuff I got to do. And I got to be up pretty early for work tomorrow. But uh, I just want to do a quick little check-in. I'll probably put this out as a short podcast as well, but... Um, you will be able to follow the trip. I'm going to do like a, a last sort of video thing for, uh, for YouTube that I'll put out, I guess tomorrow or maybe Friday, but, uh, that'll have all the contact stuff as far as if people want to follow the voyage and, uh, you know, just get the, get the, the check-ins and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I usually do that daily, but other than that, um, yeah, I hope everybody has a great night and uh, hump day. It's over time to hit Thursday. Pretty cool. Love it. All right. Thanks uh, everybody for uh, spending a little time and uh, yeah, that's about it till, till the next video. Take care.